You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater also joining us in the studio today. Jaws is back. What's good, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Levi, how are you, my man? Doing great. Ready to talk about some recruits today. On the line on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama 98.3 FM. It's National Signing Day for Collegiate Athletics. College football obviously stealing the show today. And we're going to take you through that pretty much all show. We've got recruiting stuff lined up. We'll talk some Auburn basketball as well, of course. We'll have Zach Blackerby, our regular Wednesday guest, joining us in the third segment of the day coming up at 2.30. Stay tuned for that. Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast. But let's get into a National Signing Day action. What has happened today? for Auburn on National Signing Day. Well, of course, a lot of this class was already put together, as is most classes going into this signing day period because there's obviously the early signing day period. I don't think we should call that one early anymore. That one's the real one. This one should be called the late signing day. The the other one should just be called National Signing Day. This one should be called late signing day. Some guys putting in their signatures today, Wednesday signees so far for Auburn. Safety Caden Bridges, he was a South Alabama commit. He was flipped. Of course, Auburn and Mississippi State offered him on Friday of last week. No other SEC schools has, uh, had offered. When an SEC school comes knocking, you answer the call, right? And he answered the call on the in-state school, Auburn. Also, Tavares Dawson, an athlete. He was he, He's played on both sides of the ball. He's played on defense. He's played on offense. It seems like from everything that I've read, he's going to be playing wide receiver on the planes. That was really his primary position in high school. A lot of folks concerned about whether or not he would stick with the Tigers after opting not to sign back in December, mainly because of a coaching change. Well, he feels good about it. He sticks with his commitment and signs with the Tigers. Safety Jawan Gaston, most recently, the, the most recent signee for this Auburn class, came at 1.30 p.m. He's a local product out of Carver Montgomery. He's a guy also uh, who's kind of been shuffled around the field, brings some athleticism to the equation uh, for Carver, playing both ways at times, but he was a solid defensive piece for that 6A school. Uh, Andrew Leota, defensive end transfer. He is, uh, he, he's, he's been a guy that we knew about for several days now. That was a weekend commitment. He's now inked his. He's transferring from Northwestern. Colby Smith, recently committed as well on January 31st. He was the first signee today. Offensive tackle commitment there, much needed. The first offensive tackle to commit to Auburn since 2017. And then the number two Juco inside linebacker in the country, Joko Willis, headed to the Plains as well. 
I like what Auburn's brought in. Of course, there's some three borderline four-stars. There's really only two that are three borderline four-stars. Juwan Gaston, somewhere in between. Tavares Dawson, another guy who's in between. Most of, most of these guys, Colby Smith is another guy who's possibly in between, could be a four-star, but he's listed as a three-star pretty much everywhere you look. Joko Willis, don't even, don't even care about stars when you're talking about Juco guys. That guy's the number two Juco inside linebacker. It doesn't get much better than that. There's only one guy ranked ahead of him, right? And so when you're talking about this group coming in majority three stars of course based on the calls that we've gotten this week I think a lot of folks are underwhelmed by that but I think this is this is about as expected as we thought signing day would go for Auburn and I think it's a good thing that Auburn is feeling some position needs they've hit tackle they've hit uh they brought in one wide receiver Auburn's not going to bring another wide receiver probably that's an incoming freshman I doubt they'll bring a transfer either they've brought in an extra defensive lineman they've brought in linebacker and then surprisingly Auburn put a massive emphasis on safety in this class of course they already had safety Amari Harvey one of their higher rated recruits one of their only four stars in this group one of four four stars in this group he was already locked down he has enrolled already they already had safety lockdown, but I was shocked today to see two more safeties ink with the Tigers today. Auburn putting an emphasis on the defensive backfield here early on. It doesn't seem like they really trust Mo Monday very much, does it? I mean, <laughs> they saw him play and they're like, you know what? We got to get somebody else to come in here. It, I think it's also depth, too. I, mean, I don't think it's depth. more than just smoke. We, I of think course, yeah. Jamie and Sherwood leaving the program to go to the NFL, that that puts a little extra heat on the position group as well. You need a little bit of depth there. It's a lot like we were talking about yesterday, bringing in linebacker, bringing in the number two linebacker coming out of JUCO. You bring him in, you add a depth piece to this roster with you know some with some of those linebackers when you're going to be using them a lot more. I mean, it feels like a basketball game right now. It is raining threes in this recruiting class, but it's what you expected. You expected this. This is not this is not Coach Harson's fault. This is not this coaching staff's fault. They didn't really have a chance to bring in anybody else. They, I, I think they've done well with the position that they've been put in, if I'm being 100% honest. And you talk about filling positions of need, and I think the thing that Auburn struggled – at the most last year was being dominant in the trenches. I feel like Auburn was a little undersized last year, both on the offensive and defensive line. And you look at the guys they got coming in, Lee Hunter, 6'5", 290. You've got Gardner uh, Langlo, I believe is how you pronounce his name, offensive guard, 6'7", 270. Um, Okoli, uh, a, a guy that we really desperately, I feel like Auburn really needs to bring the heat on the pass rush this season. Didn't really have a whole lot of production there last season. A uh, guy in Okoli, 6'5", 250. Um, so Auburn's obviously going out, and they're, they're getting the, the, these guys in the trenches, and they, they've got size, and I'm really excited to see how Harson uses these guys. A lot of defensive backs in this group as well. You look at it, early enrollees, you had Kamal Haddon at cornerback, Amari Harvey at safety. Those were your defensive backs already enrolled. You had some other signees as well. Armani Diamond was a signee. He's not enrolled yet. He's at quarterback. And then you look at the guys that they brought in today. They brought in two safeties today as well. I, I think the two position groups that you've looked at here heavily for Auburn that you see a trend, you see defensive back. And then, Lance, as you've said already, you see the trenches. Primarily, I would say defensive line more so than offensive line because of the volume of commitments. But I'm sure this coaching staff would have approached it differently if this had been their class. We have to remember, this isn't Brian Harson's class. The most recent guys coming in today, some of them are. Like, Colby Smith is a part of his class. I mean, really only like four or five guys coming in today are his guys. Like, Tavares Dawson 
wasn't his recruit of course he closed in on it but Malzahn courted that guy all the way through some of these guys like Joko Willis Colby Smith Andrew Leota Juwan Gaston Caden Bridges those five guys are Brian Harson's guys and of course there's not going to be a whole lot that he can do today to try and salvage the position that Auburn was in I thought it was a long shot for Auburn to get close to the top 25 I mean a long shot for Auburn to get close to the top 25 I also thought that they were going to struggle to get up to 30 because look everybody around them in the recruiting rankings is going to be signing guys today and they're going to be signing guys of the same caliber that Auburn is signing because that's what's left the three stars are what's left and Auburn right now according to 24-7 sports composite they moved up three spots to 36 nationally that's still good for like 11th or 12th in the SEC yep and when you look at overall average rating right now they're at 88.05 24-7 sports will let you know that four stars start at 90 overall so this class a shade worse or maybe not even a shade worse I would say it's primarily a three-star class headlined by a couple of high-profile four stars such as Lee Hunter at defensive tackle and talk about a guy that maybe Auburn fans could relate to possibly becoming a Derek Brown-like figure in the interior line. That's what he's being brought in to do. I want to see what that guy can do at nose tackle for Auburn moving forward because Auburn's truly going to have a nose tackle now. Auburn's truly, you know, Montrevious Adams is the last true nose tackle. Uh, maybe Dontavious Russell as well because that's kind of what he he's doing in the NFL. But Montrevious Adams, the, the, the last nose tackle that I can think of coming out of Auburn that has gone and made it in the league and is doing nose tackle duties because Montrevious Adams fitting into that 3-4 scheme with the Green Bay Packers. And we got a guy that's coming in who can do that. I mean, it's it's going to be nice to see At least you hope that. he can. Yeah, potentially. We He's have a, a guy little could. undersized for nose tackle. He's at 6'5", 292. The 6'5 is fine. The 292 is a little small for nose tackle. And again, what did we talk about yesterday? You can bulk up. You can gain weight. You can't gain height. I'm, I'm, I love the height that we're seeing along some of the – some of the positions that we've recruited, Lance hit it. Your jaws hit it very well over there. Jaws said, "We got a lot of big guys coming in. You know, they got beat on the trenches last year, offensive and defensive. You got a lot of guys coming in. We talked about yesterday with Colby Smith, six seven, a, just a monster of a height. You put some pounds on him, you shape him up, whatever. You bulk him down, whatever you want to do with him. You've got guys who are coming in who are physically imposing and can get bigger and better." I've actually got an update here. The team rankings on 24-7 sports updated before my very eyes. Auburn up to 30 right now. Uh, that that one probably accounting for Juwan Gaston's commitment, I, I would say. That's the 16th guy in this class. 16 commits for Auburn. They're up to 30th nationally, uh, still 11th in the SEC, but they are creeping closer to top 25. I would be shocked if Auburn gets into the top 25 just because of the volume of three stars that's going to be hard to do and they've ran out I believe a uh, uh, four-star guys Th- this class looking pretty much wrapped up I would say considering Brian Harson's press conference that should be happening right now as we speak it was set for 2 p.m we'll try and get you some of the tweets that are coming out of that press conference as the show goes on we'll we'll give it some time to get going a little bit so we'll we'll try and address that next segment but Auburn trying to salvage a class right now that that was in a hard place and I think they've done about as good of a job as as they could have mainly because they've approached it from a weaknesses standpoint coach Harson did say there are several spots left we're not done 
today or do you mean transfers? He, I don't know what he, he didn't means. Specify. I'm just saying I that's think he just, means that's transfers. Part, that's, that came from his press conference just now. So Jarquez Hunter is a running back that's waiting to announce until Friday. I think that would be a huge addition for Auburn. Of course, you're still dealing with three-star there, but that's really what Auburn's working with at the moment. And I think if this coaching staff can get development out of this group right here it's not a bad it's not a bad place to start of course you've got to see improvement in next year's recruiting trail and hopefully there will be hopefully some of the recruiting restrictions based on the coronavirus pandemic will help get guys on campus because you look at some dudes that have committed I think it was Tavares Dawson who only took one visit to Auburn it was this past weekend and he couldn't have any contact with coaches staff members things like that he just had to come and tore everything on his own and that that's got to be tough for Auburn that they're having to rely on guys just coming here and experiencing it themselves because you need somebody to show you around the Plains the Plains is a unique place and you got to show everybody where you know where all the hot spots you know what's all the things that you want to look at so this was an uphill battle but I think all things considered this Auburn recruiting class I I would say is getting salvaged as best as possible and you talk about positions of need, getting another running back on this roster before 2021 starts would be crucial for Auburn because I believe they only have one running back on the roster two, on scholarship. No, two. two. They have they have Shivers and Tate Bigsby, he but it's actually half. it's actually three now because Devin Barrett has transitioned back to his original position that he was recruited for. Right. And here's the thing about Devin Barrett. That guy looks like an athlete. He's built. He looks like he's capable of playing running back. He played running back in 2017. He's a redshirt junior. He's bounced around. He went from running back to wide receiver, from wide receiver to defensive back. He even saw less playing time as a defensive back than he did as wide receiver. He's been a special teams guy. I even think he has a blocked punt to his tally at some point in his career. He's an athlete. I'm excited to see him back at running back to see if he's going to get some carries because and this may be a hot take I know everybody loves Sean Shivers Devin Barrett fits the mold a little bit more at running back than someone who's five foot eight 185 I agree and you do you remember Stanton Truitt yes at Auburn he reminds me of a Stanton Truitt type of player very versatile kind of that all-purpose kind of dude and I feel like again like you said Shivers I would say counts as half of a running back on scholarship that is so mean but he I mean he's you just you need to talk to McKinney about that he plays hard dude he plays hard but I feel like Stanton like you just like you just said I would agree with that take that I feel like he's gonna or Barrett's gonna see the field a lot more in more ways than just runs up the middle I hope that that's not wishful thinking I really hope that that's not wishful thinking because I would like to see the guy I was excited about him when he came in Levi, you're chuckling about something. What, what you laughing about? I'm just laughing at the, the Sean Shivers comment. Yeah, because a lot of people that know me know know that I used to absolutely destroy Will Hastings all the time, and he was a fan favorite. So I was laughing <laughs> that someone else is in my corner of hating a fan favorite. <laughs> oh, I don't hate him. I'm but, just... I'm sorry, hating on a fan favorite. Not you know, not just th- not that, just giving him all the that praise. Was, that was a low blow. I apologize. I take it. Shivers, if you're listening, I take it back. Please don't run over me. V8 blazing is a beast. That's I wouldn't want to tackle. Name. I wouldn't want to tackle the guy. I wouldn't either. Not not a chance. Not a chance. He would knock my head off too. Just have to talk to McKinney, you know. So that's it for the first segment of the show. We'll be back on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Noah, Levi, and Jaws. 
in the studio. Head to ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app to enter your score prediction of the big game between the Chiefs and the Buccaneers on Sunday, February 7th, for a shot at $50,000, courtesy of the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, and Johnny Brusco's Pizza. If you aren't able to make, or if you aren't able to take home the grand prize with your score, second prize will take home a 50-inch smart TV from Rick's Audio Video Appliance. ESPN 106.7 has your chance to win $50,000 during this year's big game. Get all the details and enter today at ESPNAU.com or the ESPN 106.7 app. All brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Rick's Audio Video Appliance. I don't know why you wouldn't get in on that action to have a chance to win 50 Gs. Back to National Signing Day talk here. Auburn right now up to 30th overall, and I would imagine that that is probably where they will be parked at. 30th nationally is where the Tigers are according to 24-7 sports composite rankings. Uh, And I'm getting a a text from Jeremy Law, friend of the program of Radio Alabama Sports, and he wants to remind me that this class is 11th in the SEC, I'm assuming. Uh, So shout out to you there, Jeremy Law. Appreciate you listening, my man. This class definitely uh, underwhelming probably to most outside of the scene. I'm shocked he didn't send me uh, a link to a story today, you know, reminding us all that the number one class in the country does belong to the Alabama Crimson Tide, and it has topped all classes ever in modern college football. Since we've been keeping up with this stuff, the Alabama Crimson Tide have now signed the best recruiting class of all time, and that's not hyperbole. That is statistical fact. For the Alabama Crimson Tide today, Bergie get 26 total commits in this class, seven five stars, 15 four stars, and a measly four three stars. Alabama has as many three stars as Auburn does four stars in this class. An average rating of 94.9, that's better than anybody else in the country. And I think that headlines this, this national signing day, if we're looking at this from 1,000 feet above, Alabama's the, the biggest thing on the ground right now that you noticed. It's 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 incredible. I mean, you're looking at it from a perspective of just and their class I'm, was almost I'm already just, wrapped up going into today. You're I'm speechless. Just, I was say, I'm speechless at the fact that the greatest recruiting class of all time. I'm not surprised, but I'm just I don't have words to say for the greatest recruiting class of all time. And looking at the, I mean, it really shows the gap between what Alabama football is and what Auburn football is. It there it's it's a, it's so far away. There's literally just the gap. I know Auburn fans think that, oh, we've beaten them a couple times. We got them on a few home games. Oh, shucks. It's so far away. It's absolutely just so far away. At least on the national stage. I'd say they're always going to play a tough game close together. Whenever it's at home at Auburn, things can happen. I even think, you know, you know, give Auburn a good football team that can go into Tuscaloosa and at least try and give a good game. It's the Iron Bowl. Anything can happen. Guys play above their skill level when you go into that game this Alabama class reminds me of the Alabama class that housed Jerry Judy to a tongue of Aloha and Najee Harris you could see a core of those guys being beast I was doing a, a show called the SEC report back then and I said that on that show and I said that this is the core of the future this core is is going to be a part of some national championships to come and you look at this group two offensive tackles headlined the class the number one overall and the number two overall offensive tackles and J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer, Jaquinty McKinstry on defense. He's in there. Ja'Cory Brooks at wide receiver, A.J.I. Hall at wide receiver, the two highly rated wide receivers right there. The only thing that's missing for this class, I, I think you could say, 
is a, is a highly touted quarterback commit. But, of course, Alabama doesn't have any problems with that because what happened last year? They got Bryce Young. So they have that guy on their roster for the future. He didn't even really play this year. So you still got, and you still have four years out of him because of the eligibility rules. So when you look at this Alabama class, you see future, once again, that this Alabama dynasty is nowhere close to being done. After they lost to LSU last year, everybody wanted to say that this thing was over. It's not over. They just signed the greatest class that anybody has ever signed. And that means you've got at least four more years of this, unless everybody just transferred out. But as long as Nick Saban is on the planes, the, the, this dynasty is not going anywhere. It's it's not. I mean, and he doesn't seem like he's showing any signs of letting down at all. I mean, we saw the the we've seen his ability to recruit. Now we've seen it up close and personal. We just saw the video that got leaked on Twitter. We saw what he says to people, and I see why people go there. I understand it. I mean, you go to win championships and. That's the best place to go do it, and that's the best place to get yourself in the pros. And I'm looking at the recruiting class right now. They did sign a quarterback, but like you said, like you said, not really like a highly touted guy, a four-star prospect out of Katy, Katy, Texas. I believe that's actually where Demetrius Davis is from. See, we say all that. We we say he's not highly touted. He's still the number four dual threat quarterback in the 2021 class. But the, but the thing is, we're used to seeing Tua Tagovailoa and Bryce Young over these past couple of years. But this guy still fits the bill. This is the level that Alabama is at. When right. you're talking about gap, like, oh, this guy's not as good as the five stars they brought in at quarterback. You're looking at the gap between Auburn and Alabama in recruiting. Like you mentioned, obviously the Iron Bowl is a different type of setting. Once you get into that game, I don't really feel like stars matter. But you look at recruiting, it's a Grand Canyon gap between Auburn and Alabama in recruiting right now. They actually did pick up not only the number two offensive tackle in the country in Brockermeyer, but they actually got his brother they as got his well, brother too. who is a four star. <laughs> Just looking he's at the this number class. one he's the number one center in the class too. And, and it's hard for centers to get the five star nod for some reason. There's just some position groups that don't get the love. You're right on. I mean th- this is the best guy they could have gotten at that position in football. I feel like if you put this this recruiting class on the field, they could beat four or five teams in the SEC week one. Give them, give them, give them uh, summer, summer. Uh, and I fall think they camp. could beat just about anybody. I agree. Yeah, I don't I, know about that quarterback yet because I haven't seen him. But I'll tell you that the based on the height and weight, and he's gonna he's gonna put on some more pounds. This dude is a man, six three two oh six. I love the height there for the quarterback. The 206 part tells me he's built too, and he's going to be. Able, it's a Jalen Hurts like build for him at QB, maybe even a little bit higher than Jalen Hurts. I'm going to go look up Jalen Hurts measurements real quick. But when you look at him, he he, he definitely he's dual threat quarterback. Definitely looks like he's going to be able to put the ball on the turf and run it a little bit. You look at Jalen Hurts; he was six foot one, and we know that Jalen Hurts was a little bit more of a powerful runner. He he was also agile and athletic but he was maybe a little bit more powerful of a runner than if you were comparing to the Malik Willis's of the world, right? That are definitely not as filled out. Jalen Hurts was a little bit more built. He just was at six foot three. Now, now you got six foot three, two Oh six Jalen Milrow out of Katy, Texas as well. So this Alabama class deep, a look at some of the other classes here in the team rankings outside of that, the top four, I'm a little surprised by the top four Clemson and not in the top four. They're at fifth overall right now, three, five stars, 14, four stars two three stars part of that they're lagging behind in commitments they only have 19 in this class compared to the ones in front of them Ohio State at number two right now according to 24-7 sports is this ranking list Ohio State with 21 commits at number two Georgia at number three with 20 commits and LSU at number four with 22 commits of course Clemson lagging behind in commitments there 
doesn't mean that they're that they're not every bit as good on average because they're sitting at 94.02 which is good for third in the country with average rating right now according to 24-7 sports so still a top three class in terms of average player they're only lagging behind a little bit because of commitment numbers but my question to you all is oftentimes recruiting determines the future in college football 100 you see jimmy's and joe's better than x's and o's i almost say that every show and we're talking about the playoff picture in the future are these the top five teams in that every year i mean that's what we've seen so far i mean that, i don't think we've seen georgia and lsu there with consistency of course lsu won a natty that is true I, if they hadn't figured out quarterback with joe burrow they wouldn't have but I, think, I don't think with consistency we see georgia and lsu in that picture and the only reason i think we don't see georgia and lsu in because of picture, quarterback i think it's because of alabama yeah i think huh? they're in the same conference as alabama and that's what holds them back if you take these two teams and these two recruiting classes and throw them in almost any other throw them in the pac-12 they're in the playoff every year throw them in the big 12 they're in the playoff every year easy it's just for the fact that alabama is in their way in their own conference i would agree with that that's that's true I, I didn't think about that at all i'm over here analyzing why they can't beat alabama and i think that does center on quarterback they've got the trenches maybe not as much lsu but this class is is a very good recruiting class kind of shocked that lsu has landed this level of a recruiting class after what happened this past year if they can figure out quarterback they're as talented as they come i still think this lsu team has not figured out quarterback and now they're going through some major staff changes on the offensive and defensive side of the ball so i'm not sold that lsu is going to be back in the mix and they're still pretty young going into next year they've lost major playmakers at wide receiver i'm still not sold on this lsu team immediately into next year but i wouldn't be shocked down the line if lsu has another national championship quality team but once again i think with lsu it centers on competency in the coaching staff and quarterback play for them to be able to supersede Alabama and right now from what we've seen with Alabama what they've brought into the quarterback position and of course Nick Saban still being the head coach they've got those two that they've got the edge in those two categories easy for the next three four years to come I think you would say Georgia on the other hand I think they're beginning to figure out quarterback and they've got the recruiting alongside that for some reason though there's just something intangible about about Georgia where they just kind of make things look difficult out there for themselves do you guys know what I'm talking about I mean they they can't they can't go out there and spank Cincinnati in a bowl game even though they have swarmed Cincinnati from from a recruiting standpoint but they can't go out there and dominate them even though they've got JT Daniels out there Georgia is an enigma to me what is the reason for Georgia not being in this picture when they recruit like this every year I don't know what it is I mean I think it centers around the quarterback position like you just said I mean it's a big time issue with getting the right quarterback out there I mean they had Justin Fields on their team and were playing Jake and was playing Jake Fromm ahead of him that's what I don't understand. I think they just get in their own way sometimes with decisions like this, and they waited all year to play JT Daniels. Again, he was nagging injury, what have you, but I just don't think Kirby Smart can evaluate a quarterback position correctly. I mean, nobody can. I mean, we see how many busts go into the NFL, so nobody can evaluate that position correctly. And then I feel like it comes down to coordinators. I feel like it comes down to offensive coordinator. Georgia hasn't really been able to find a rhythm at that position, and they've really, really struggled to get their offense going. And I don't necessarily feel like it's for a lack of talent. Obviously, we've seen what Kirby Smart's been able to do on the recruiting trail. But you look at the the product that they put out on the field and all these plays that they run, they're not... It's not good scheme. It's not good offensive play calling. Boring. It's boring, and it's holding this team back from its potential. As boring as Kirby Smart's haircut. (laughs) Let's get into the 21st century with offensive schemes and haircuts. Am I right? On the other side of this break, we got a collar on the line. We'll be with you in a second, Trill. Hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment here on On the Line.
stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater and Jaws with us in the studio on your Wednesday, National Signing Day Wednesday. We got a caller on the line. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Trill joining us for the second time this this week. Trill, we're pumped to have you back on the show, my man. How you doing? Yeah, this is your trail from Greensboro. I'm I'm doing all right, I guess. Um, I was a little fired up when I called y'all on Monday. You know, thinking about Auburn. You know, I I got off the message boards. I I, I quit listening to my friends, but I got to say I, I couldn't call the calling yesterday. So I was deer hunting. Don't tell my game warden that. But I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm little I'm little I'm little fired up today. Look here, if I want to listen to some booger eating shows talking about Alabama football. I turn in the Ryan Fowler. I call in. The, I well, I listen to Fireball. I listen to all the other shows up here in Tuscaloosa. What happened talking about good old Auburn football? You, did you miss the first segment? I'm listening. I'm listening to all of it. I want to talk about Auburn football. This is an Auburn football show, right? Uh, we we touch on a little bit of everything. Auburn athletics, SEC, and beyond. I mean, it is heavy Auburn, but. We do touch around. I mean, there are Alabama fans also where we're at too, and so we want to we want to be able to cater to a little bit to everybody. But it is it is heavy Auburn. You're right. Fair, 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 fair. I just this is just an Alabama fans' dream if they just happen to turn into this show. But anyway, like you guys said, I listened yesterday from a battery stand. Look, this recruiting class, it, we just gonna have to deal with it. Um, like you like I said Monday, I want Harson to be able to develop these guys, these three four stars that got in, then having five stars coming into this class. But he's going to have to belt. We're going to have to wait and see A-Day. Um, I guess I, I go with Auburn for A-Day. That's the usual game I go to. But we we just going to have to see. I'm I'm, I'm 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 an Auburn fan. I love it. I bleed orange blue, and I'm going to put my faith in Brian Harson. Sure, and, and, I, and I think that's the right way to go, just tempering some expectations going into today because this isn't Brian Harson's class. This is – this is Malzahn's class, and I think he did the best he could today to, to salvage it. And I, and I would say, you know, the main question going into today for me was, will they be able to salvage this class? And I think they salvaged this class. I, I think they filled needs, and that was the most important thing for them to do today because all the high-profile guys, Auburn was not in the equation for them, and that's not Harson's fault. That's Malzahn's fault. And Auburn, the best they could do was just try and go and get some depth pieces with some three stars to try and fill some needs, and they did that. They brought in many defensive backs, which is the next major position group that you're going to see a, a mass exodus from after next season. And they went and got some. Uh, they went and got some offensive linemen at a, at, a, at a, an especially key position at offensive tackle. And I think Auburn's going to be looking for some transfers in that market as well. Still looking at running back too. Maybe they're in the mix for Jarquez Hunter on Friday if they can land him. But I, I, I think you could possibly see some transfers there as well. I mean, Harson's quote today pretty pretty substantial when he says we're not done yet. And I think that I, th- I think there he's talking about transfers. Yeah, I, I'm sure glad you you brought that up. So I saw, I think I read one day there was over 1,500 uh, student athletes in the transfer portal, which which blows my mind. I was wondering if Auburn's in the hunt for a couple of them, but hearing Harson's comments, I'm glad he said that. That means that this is not the end for him. This is not the end. He's going to continue to get on the trail. Now that he got his full staff together, I mean, hey, we got to go forward and we got to see what Harson's going to do. Right. Th- this first year, that th- this this upcoming first year with recruiting, I think is the the telltale sign of of what's of how to grade Harson and what he can do but it's still an uphill battle until these coronavirus restrictions on recruiting let up I mean you know you talk about Tavares Dawson's a guy who did sign with Auburn today the the three borderline four-star athlete slash wide, slash wide receiver he'll play wide receiver at Auburn I'm sure he uh he didn't even get to visit 
at Auburn with the coaches at all like his one visit came this past weekend and it was basically an unofficial visit because he wasn't able to have any contact with the coaches or the staff he just had to be on campus by himself and and, and tour around which I'm sure is still a fun trip to come down to Auburn and see it and obviously it was enough to still get him to sign but that's hard for Auburn to be able to sell Auburn on the Auburn experience and the Auburn family if, if you can't actually get these guys to tour around Right, right. Now, we're not going to make excuses on the China virus and all that stuff now. we, we it, Harson's got an uphill battle going forward. That's right. He does. But, but we just we just going to have to see. I believe in Harson. I think, I think whatever – what helped me yesterday a lot was when y'all were talking about where these previous coaches have came from, like Dabo, like Saban. I mean, like you guys said, Harson coming from a lower-tier division, he can maybe bring that same magic here to Auburn. And I'm going to hang up. And uh, I'm going to let y'all get to it. I guess i continue to tune in here, but enjoy listening to you fellas, and maybe I'll call in later on. Appreciate it, Trill. Hope to see you. Uh, hope to hear from you again throughout the week and, uh, and, and to come. Appreciate it, my man. War Eagle. That was Trill joining us on the line once again. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Didn't expect to get called out for, for the Bama talk. We welcome Bama callers, too. We want to we want to hear from that side of it. I mean, this is definitely – we are airing on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, but also on Fox Sports Central Alabama up towards the Sylacauga area and around East Central Alabama. I mean, this show touches more than, than 20 counties in the East Central Alabama area, and, and there's folks of, of all fanhoods in that, in that portion of this state. So we're, we're looking forward to a lot of callers. Of course, we do focus heavy on Auburn. That, that is our expertise in this area. But we go to SEC and beyond, so we want to hear from everybody. I actually received a question from somebody that I know a couple of days ago saying, do you take Alabama callers? 100%. Bring it on. We want to hear from everybody. We'll take any college. It doesn't have to be Auburn. It doesn't have to be Alabama. Sure, if you're a you're, Georgia fan, if you're just it. some random, you could be Central Michigan fan just hanging out in Auburn one day. We just welcome call the in. Chippewas. We'll talk. We'll if, talk. We'll talk with you. If you are an Alabama fan, please call into the show and tell us how much you think Alabama is going to lose by in the Iron Bowl this year: twenty, <laughs> thirty, or forty. Please call in and give your thoughts. That's good. That's good. A look right now where everything's standing right now on National Signing Day: Auburn at thirtieth nationally according to 24 7 sports of course some of the other sec teams bringing up those rankings right now alabama at number one overall georgia at number three lsu at number four a&m at number seven florida at number 13 tennessee at number 16 ole miss at number 19 yes the list continues to grow of sec teams in front of auburn number 24 arkansas number 25 mississippi state and then finally Auburn at number 30. Number 32, Kentucky. Have I finished the list? No, we're still looking for Vanderbilt somewhere, they're, right? They're 51st. They're 51st. Are there any other SEC teams in front of them, or is that it? Vanderbilt's not even on the first page on 24-7 sports. That's okay. tough. That's, That's tough. tough. Yep. Tough, tough well, you, news for well, the Well, you Commodores. lost Derek Mason. Derek Mason was what would help get them recruits. South Carolina, 77th in the country. Yeah, that's not a shocker. Those are the, those are the two teams at the bottom of the barrel. Only 13 commits Eesh. for South Carolina. Yep. I mean, if you take what Auburn's experiencing right now with a new coach, that is what South Carolina is experiencing, but without the pedigree of being a good football program traditionally, right? And without having the Auburn family still to try and at least be able to sell a little bit. Like, South Carolina's experiencing what Auburn is experiencing on a much larger scale right now, and that's why they are completely decimated at the moment. Not only that, but they're also dealing with recruiting sanctions and NCAA looming over their head like a giant scary thundercloud. So South Carolina not shocked that they are in the bottom bottom of the barrel. So question here then before we go to break. I'm kind of curious, and you know I hope nobody 
calls in angry with us about talking about Vanderbilt and South Carolina football, but talking some SEC ball here with you. Do you think Vanderbilt with Clark Lee can take Vanderbilt ahead of South Carolina and possibly South Carolina becomes the team in the bottom of the barrel with the way that things are looking right now I was out lo- there in Columbia? I was looking at the 2021 SEC schedule earlier. I actually went through and kind of filled it out and just gave my thoughts on where everybody would fall. Look at you. And I do think that Vanderbilt wins one or two conference games this year, so I don't think they finish last in the in the SEC East. Uh, I do have them going 4-8 and eight just in this run that I did right here, but I could definitely see them beating South Carolina on the road this season. So, yeah, I, I can see Vanderbilt overtaking them, especially if Vanderbilt figures out how to play a little bit of defense. And the question is, will they, with the defensive coordinator, becoming their head coach for the second time in a row? Of course, he is coming from Notre Dame. Their previous head coach, Derek Mason, now back to being a defensive coordinator, and he is at Auburn. Going back to this Auburn class, I'm curious, you know, who who is the biggest commitment today that you guys feel signed with auburn today that signed with auburn today today not not in the whole class we'll get to that later but today who is the guy that you think could make a big impact for this team i i do like the signing of gaston i do like juan gaston simply for the fact that he chose auburn over south carolina which kind of distanced the I mean, gap come from, on there, it, there's a right choice here if, if we were to lose someone to South Carolina, I think that would really just hurt my heart. Right now, with that, with what we just hit on it, what South Carolina is in right now, the fact that we are still able, even in a lean recruiting period, a period that we really didn't have a good shot of cracking up into a lot of four-star recruits, we were still able to get the guys that we should get. And I think that's, that is the epitome. That symbolizes that notion right there. I want to point out two guys that I think could be – a heavy impact for Auburn moving forward. One more immediate, one down the line. The immediate impact, I think, is Juco inside linebacker, Joko Willis, who could move. And we'll get to a conversation with Zach Blackerby later who will talk about possibly Joko Willis moving from inside linebacker to maybe more of a pass rusher role off the edge, maybe at outside linebacker, closer to the line of scrimmage than what Auburn's inside linebackers will be doing. It definitely looks like a pass rusher when you talk about his height and weight at 215, 6'3". So Joko Willis... He's bringing experience. He's going to have four years when he steps on campus. He's going to have four years. He, he only played one year at JUCO, and none of that even matters. So he's still got four years. It's like he's an incoming freshman, but he's already got collegiate experience to a degree. He's somebody that I think is ready to step on campus and maybe contribute right away on that defense in a specialized role. The other guy that I want to point out is South Alabama commit turned Auburn signee Caden Bridges. Of course, Daniel Thomas was a last-minute pull for Auburn on signing day way back when out of Montgomery. Everybody remembers Daniel Thomas and how effective he turned out to be at corner slash slash nickel slash safety. He was kind of a jack-of-all-trades for Auburn in that defensive backfield. He was definitely one of the better tacklers on this team, and he found a way to get into the NFL and, and onto a roster at that out in Jacksonville. I wouldn't be shocked if Caden Bridges developed at Auburn because there's something this coaching staff saw in him when you're talking about depth and there was a certain tweet yesterday by Auburn's director of recruiting, Darren Usher, and we don't know who this was about, but he tweeted, Mary Flip Miss. And maybe that was in reference to Caden Bridges, who flipped from South Alabama. They might be super excited about that guy coming to the Plains. They offered him most recently on Friday. Caden Bridges, maybe he has the type of trajectory as Daniel Thomas, and I think that, that, that would be pretty good for him. I agree. I think that's it. he has a lot of upside to be able to develop into something special and there's a lot of guys who can develop on this class so we'll see how that development curve goes once again thanks to trill for joining the show if you want to call in 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502
on the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up the first hour of On the Line. The number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. In the second hour, we'll have Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast joining us. Phone lines are open. Please call into the show. We want to hear from you. Your thoughts on what's happening on National Signing Day. It's so much more anticlimactic these days since they have the one in December because everybody's is already pretty much wrapped up. But Auburn's done some work today. Six signees so far on Wednesday today trying to fill in some gaps. But first, before we get into wrapping up this first hour, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. If you don't have a vested interest in the Super Bowl, a big reason why some people watch the big game is for the commercials. CBS has a countdown of the best ones ever with Super Bowl greatest commercials on at 7. Start your Wednesday night college basketball in the SEC with South Carolina at number 22 Florida at 5.30 on SEC Network. At the 6 o'clock time slot, LSU at number 10 Alabama is on ESPNU. Kentucky at number 18 Missouri is on ESPN2. Seton Hall at Providence on FS1 and Louisville at Syracuse on ACC Network. Moving to 8 p.m., we've got number three Villanova on the road at St. John's on CBS Sports Network. Number 14 Virginia at NC State on ACC Network. Georgetown at number 15 Creighton on FS1 and Oklahoma State at TCU on ESPN2. The NBA schedule has two games on ESPN with Pacers Bucks at 6 and Suns Pelicans at 8.30. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws with you in the studio on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook, that's Fox Sports 983 Dot com. Let's move away from signing day. It's been a heavy signing day show. Let's talk some Auburn basketball and what happened last night. We'll have crunching the numbers with Sting later on in the show in the second hour. We'll kind of deep dive into some of the statistics. We've only got a couple of minutes left here in this first hour. So let's let's talk a little bit about last night's disappointing loss to Georgia on the home hardwood. Levi, you and I talked a little bit a little bit about the betting lines going into yesterday, and 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 you deep dive into it. Not necessarily from a betting standpoint, but what does it tell us about other people talking about this game and how they're predicting the game? And and Vegas can be scary sometimes. You look at sometimes the line is set, and then it just like bam, it hits right on that line. You're like, whoa, they know what they're talking about. And yesterday, you you pointed out there was some sharp money on Georgia and it ended up you know Auburn I, I said Auburn was going to cover I, I guess I'm not sharp I was wrong Auburn took the loss yeah I didn't think Auburn was going to cover but I didn't think they were going to lose this game either so it's interesting to look at whenever you see a team that is just garnering so much traction in terms of how many bets are going to them versus how much money is going to them and when you see Auburn getting so much the majority of the bets which was around like 60 something yesterday and then you look at it and Georgia's getting like 70% of the money on them, which means people with a lot of money, which means people who risk a lot of money and usually make a lot of money are betting on Georgia. And that means that they thought Georgia was going to win. I'm not sure what the what the reasoning behind all that shift was, but I, again, I hinted that I think Auburn was a little gassed. They used a lot going to Waco, playing the number two team. Kind of an emotional letdown. You go into the half only trailing Baylor by five, if I'm not mistaken, and then you kind of get that you take that the best punch that Baylor gets, the big run, and you don't really survive it. You get kind of shell-shocked. You come at home, and you're thinking, we should beat this Georgia team. We already beat them by a lot. 
even though Georgia now is a different team than when they played Auburn in Athens. They're coming in a little bit hot. Auburn kind of came in, I think, a little cocky in a sense. I I don't know if it was cocky. I just think they didn't play defense. Lance. That for sure. (laughs) That for sure. You have grown up around the game of basketball your entire life. You have a vast knowledge of it. Your dad is a former coach. I want to hear your thoughts on this game, possibly from a defensive standpoint, because a look at these stats here. 108 points were scored total in the second half alone. Not good defense on both sides, but that's probably why Auburn lost this game. Well, something that you want to do whenever you're coming out of halftime down by eight or nine is you want to kind of establish your tempo again, especially at home. And you look at what happened in that second half. 40 total points were scored five minutes into the second half. You can't let Georgia get off to a run like that. And it had me Googling, how do you defend a layup? I didn't know what was going on at the rim last night, and it was awful. Auburn would fall for pump fakes. There would be great drives inside by Wheeler where he would dump it off, and Auburn just wasn't there. I don't know what was going on in the paint last night, but Auburn was just lost. Something that Sonny Smith on the, said on the broadcast last night is we're going to start playing right now. So far, we've looked like we've been playing in the Westminster Dog Show. We've been prancing around instead of playing defense. Excellent. I feel like excellent analysis. I'm here for it. Excellent. That is on point. Auburn couldn't defend the rim last night, and that's the reason why they lost. Figure out how to how to have better rim protection. They, like you said earlier, before before we started the show, Auburn's a good shot blocking team, but not a not, good rim protection. They're not team. a good rim protecting team. They're not a good defensive team. They don't play team defense. There there's some personalities on this Tiger squad that will just give up on the defensive side of the floor. And I feel like Auburn needs to come together as a team if they're going to win games like these. Yeah, I and to go against that, how offense didn't really seem to be too much of an issue for Auburn. You score eighty six points, but there 100%. were they weren't overly efficient though either. But, but there were situations, and me and Sting were talking about this when we got here today. When Auburn got down, and it happened in the Baylor game, they started pressing really badly in turn, and not pressing in terms of the defense you set up when someone's inbound the ball. I'm talking about pressing as you were trying too hard to get it all back in one shot. You're dribbling down there and taking a deep contested three most of the time just a poor shot you're taking poor shots to try to just shoot yourself back into it and armor doesn't have the guys that can do that and that's alan flanagan at devin cambridge's game and when it works when it's hot oh, it's, it's, it's good. right when it's not it's wrong and looking at auburn last night and lance you're, you're touching this i had a i had a tweet last night follow me on twitter at point gardner my, my tweet was it's fun being the top shot blocking team of the country which auburn is auburn's the top shot blocking team in the country they had seven blocks last night it even brought up their average even more last night from where their city got 6.2 blocks per game nationally. They're number one in the country, but it's not fun being 274th in the country. And now it's 284th in the country since I made that tweet. They're 284th in the country in points allowed per game across this entire season. That's not fun. And going along with what you were saying about how this team is a good shot blocking team, but not a good rim protection team, inside the arc on defense. Auburn is very average when it's talking about two-point percentage for their opponents. Opponent two-point percentage against Auburn this year is at 50%. That ranks eighth in the SEC. So literally in the bottom half of the conference, just at the top of that bottom half, but they are in the bottom half of the conference in the middle of the pack area there with with giving up 50% of the shots that happen inside the arc. The only thing that Auburn is great at on this team defensively, they defend the three-point line better than anybody in this league. Well, better than everybody but one team. They're second in three-point percentage on, on defense. They, they, they only allow opponents to, to shoot 32% from three. 
from beyond the arc they were first going into yesterday's matchup uh, they're not first anymore so they're they're second but they are still and i was shocked because remember the point that i made going into the show yesterday or going into the game yesterday i said georgia is an abysmal three-point shooting team and auburn's at least decent georgia ended up shooting the ball phenomenally yesterday from beyond the arc they shot above 40 percent. i think let's get that exact number georgia shot 43.8 percent from beyond the arc only took 16 threes they made seven of them sometimes stats are a lie sometimes they're just well, they're sometimes not alive, just a team plays plays above their skill yeah, level a deviation it happens and georgia did that yesterday yeah i think auburn played well below on offense where we used to see them georgia played well above but auburn's defense definitely boosted that for him it was a poor poor defensive effort for the tigers yesterday that does it for hour number one of on the line we've got hour number two coming up still talking national signing day we'll have zach blackerby of the locked on auburn podcast starting that second hour coming up here on on the line you are on the line live on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm in birmingham and silicaga and in auburn and opelika on espn 1067 listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner here with you, now joined by Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's National Signing Day, and this is the day that, you know, we we figure out, and of course, most of the class already locked down, but new names coming to the Plains. We get to, to finally look at the class in its entirety. For the most part, there might be some guys still announcing as the days go on, like Jarquez Hunter, a running back, but for the most part, at the end of this day, we'll know who that new freshman class is and some transfers as well coming to the Plains. An exciting day, the future of the program. Obviously, this class, not Brian Harson's class. I've been saying this for quite some time. This is Malzahn's class, not Harson's, mainly because I've had to fend off some collars. Displeasure, I, I would say is the right word, with some of the, the what commitments. What are they saying? Well, some people I think are a little displeased with some of the three-star caliber players coming in. What do you think about the caliber of players that are coming to the Plains? I don't want to signal out one three-star because I think when you look at it, just one individual case, I don't think it's a big deal. But the whole class is majority three-stars, and it's like, okay, you look to the team that you know Malzahn couldn't beat, so you fired him, even though he beat him more than anybody else did. They're getting four- and five-star guys. And so over the course of time, You've kind of seen what that separation looks like throughout college football. But one individual guy, like I don't I don't think that's fair to the player. I don't think that's fair to the the coaches that evaluated him, especially when Auburn's had some success with three-star guys. But when you have, you know, 15 three-stars or something like that, that doesn't that doesn't help you take that next step unless you just hit a home run with all of them. Hey, and maybe that's the case. Maybe so, but I don't think this is Brian Harson's fault. And I was listening to this show earlier in the week. Somebody made the comment of, like, three-star recruits, three-star head coach. And I'm like, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. And so um, it's going to take time. This isn't Brian Harson's class, like you said. But I do think the guys who you can credit Brian Harson for getting are the guys I'm most excited about. Eku Leota, I'm all in. I'm all in on uh, what Jaco Willis. I mean, those guys are going to be able to rush the pass, and they're going to be doing it day one at Auburn next year. So – there, there's some good, there's some, I don't want to even say bad, but there's definitely some things that you can be more excited about for sure. 
of the guys that Brian Harson brought in. I feel like they all fill a specific need. I've been saying Joko Willis this whole time. I, I, I'm well. This is news to me that it's Jaco Willis. Let's start with him first at inside linebacker. I think now more than ever, it, it, it could be. You know, we could be seeing this this transfer of scheme, this transitioning of a scheme at inside linebacker for Auburn that they decided and Auburn's recruited linebacker well they decided to go out and get another one yeah and I think this guy's a pass rusher I think this is going to be a an outside linebacker and what Auburn's going to do so they're going to move him from where he was listed as an inside linebacker that's what I've seen from Mm -hmm. folks that know way more about recruiting than me but that's kind of the general feeling is they're going to look at him as a guy that you put in on third down that that seems to be what you want with a guy like him and so he's very athletic some big schools wanted him. He just couldn't qualify academically. And so, you know, you, you do the, the junior college route. He only played a year. And so he's got four years of eligibility as soon as he steps foot on campus. So as soon as today, I believe at the time of us talking, he's already sent all of this stuff in officially. So he's got he's got four years of eligibility. Really? Even as a JUCO guy? Which is weird because last year didn't count, right? And so he only played one year. So it would be like a true freshman playing somewhere. It's like they still huge. got four years left. Yeah, with the JUCO guy. I mean, so you talk about experience coming in day one, and he's got a chance to start or at least get some legitimate playing time, assuming Auburn puts four linebackers on the field a lot next year with Derek Mason with what he wants to do. And so, yeah, you look at a guy like that, and I think it makes sense. I think that makes sense to put a guy like that on the edge. Sure, he was listed as like the the number two JUCO linebacker, middle linebacker, but I think with his body and his build, I think he's going to move to the outside, but we'll have to see. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here and say that this guy's going to make the league, but how often does Auburn bring a six foot three linebacker into the mold? I mean, we've been looking at a lot of undersized linebackers. Now, of course, he's still at 215, and that's undersized for the league, but you're saying putting him at pass rusher, that makes sense, especially with how Auburn's pass rush over the years. They've had, un- they've had you know, smaller guys come up to the line. I mean, we even see Smoke Monday get up there and come up to the line and rush the passer. Sure. So, you know, does it? You know, for you, what what does it say about bringing in a, a taller linebacker, or does it? Or am I just reading too much into it? Well, I think Auburn has wanted taller linebackers. They just get second for all of them. It seems like they all go to Alabama or Georgia, and they get drafted in the first three rounds. But yeah, I think six three. If you can get them up to two twenty or so, that's kind of what the league wants now. They don't want those thumpers, those two forty, you know, six four guys anymore. They want guys that can move laterally, and Willis can do that. And so that's going to be something that. I'm really excited as far as, you know, what Harsha needs right now is instant impact. You know, you want your freshman that you can develop, and he's known as a guy that can develop talent and all that good stuff, and that's great. But you're going to need guys that can make a splash day one. And I think he can definitely, definitely do that. And, um, yeah, I, I love the size. I think he'll get a little bit bigger, but I don't want him to get too much bigger if that's kind of what they're going to use him for. So, yeah, big fan of Willis offensive line recruiting that's the number one concern for Auburn going into this they lost two commitments once Malzahn was fired and after the Iron Bowl and whatnot but they bring in a new offensive line commitment with Colby Smith who has signed his national letter of intent Garner Langlos another guy who's already enrolled so two total offensive linemen coming in this class one of them a tackle one of them a guard Take me through this position group for the Tigers moving forward. I think Auburn set at guard for the next few years. Langlo kind of gives them some death probably two or three years from now, even, even if he's a starter or not. But, yeah, you look at uh, you look at Colby coming in, 6'8", dude named Colby. If that doesn't scream teddy bear, I don't know what does. But, <laughs> but as far as, you know, okay, Auburn's doing something kind of crazy. They're recruiting high school t- uh, tackles again. First time in years. 
And I think that's something that's going to be a big deal. And um, apparently, just reading stuff about this guy, the lack of camps really hurt him. Once again, those are guys that know way more about recruiting than I do, but it's like, okay, cool. I'll take the word for it. Three-star in the 247 sports composite, but 247 has him as a four-star. And it's kind of the belief that more places would have had him higher if uh, if in-person camps were a thing right now. So this is a guy that has a legitimate chance to start two or three years in, into his career at Auburn. We've talked about Will Friend and his ability to recruit guys. He was uh, he was committed to Tennessee uh, under Friend, and now of course Friend here. So he's kind of following him there, and that's that's why you hire a guy like Will Friend is to bring in this, these uh, these big guys, and so. Auburn hasn't really had a tackle like this. From a build standpoint, Tega wasn't too far off as far as size and measurables and all of that. But as far as a four-star tackle coming in, I think this is big. I think it's a really big deal. Do you think that there will be any shakeup with the starting group at offensive line, or do you think it's pretty set in stone moving forward? I mean, people are going to point out that it, that it was a subpar unit this year, but I think statistically when you look at it, they weren't terrible in any one category only gave up about two sacks a game and then in terms of run block I mean Auburn was one of the better rushing teams in the SEC I think you got to ask did scheme help them and I think we could all agree that it did not I think quarterback tendency did not help them could they have been better in run blocking sure but they really hit their stride when they were all healthy in the middle of the season then council goes down and they just had a really hard time keeping the same five guys on there and you know just you know the that cohesion as a unit is so important and they didn't really ever get time to develop that last year so I'm not as hard on the offensive line's performance last year as a lot of people the offense wasn't good was the offensive line part of it yes was quarterback play part of it yes was receiver play part of it yes was scheme part of it yeah, it wasn't just one thing. Was running back? No. <laughs> no. Uh, well, it, it depends. Was Tank, was Tank in or not? I think it's a, sure. it's a question you got to ask there. But will there be shakeup? Possibly. I think you have to say that if you're Harson, because you, you, you got to have competition at every spot, including quarterback, going into, uh, going into the 2021 season with spring. And so Harson's going to be the kind of guy that he does, he's not going to care about what you know, preconceived, you know, assumptions have been, you know, about all these guys going into the season. He doesn't care what you did last year. He cares what you're going to be able to do in 2021. So competition at every single position, except don't touch Roger McCreary, leave him alone. Every other position, (laughs) let him compete for it. 2022 quarterback commit Holden Jariner, but then there's also a sign on this guy, by the way. There we go. I, and that, I'm glad about that because I keep hearing people comparing him to Phillip Rivers, and I'm like, well, at least Auburn didn't miss on this guy, right? Well, he'll be playing tight end then, if that's the case. <laughs> you compare him to Signature uh, in this class, already signed his national letter of intent. He's already enrolled. He's on campus. Demetrius Davis, four-star quarterback, also coming in. Which one of these guys? I mean, there's going to be a position battle down the line that that may even add another quarterback to that point by the time that those two guys are stepping in after Bo Nix. Yeah. If you had to guess, I mean, Demetrius Davis was a unique situation. I was shocked that he signed with Auburn while there was no head coach because you'd think out of any position on this football team or on any football team, you'd think quarterback would be worried about scheme fit the most. Yes. It's been fascinating to see Auburn's history. This is literally my podcast, Locked on Auburn, that went out this morning. It's been fascinating to see what Auburn has done at recruiting quarterbacks, specifically Gus Malzahn. He has success with Cam. He has success with Nick Marshall. 
And then everybody after that was like a pocket guy. <laughs> like you bring in John Franklin the third and you know Malik Willis, but for the most part, like Jeremy Johnson, pocket guy, not very mobile. Sean White, pocket guy. Stidham, pocket guy. Bo Nix has some athleticism, but he's a pocket guy. He's a passer. And Auburn fans are like, well, he runs, you know, Gus runs, you know, this uh, this dual threat attack. And I'm like, clearly he doesn't want to, or he would get more dual threat guys in. And so I think it's important to look at, like, as far as what Harson wants to do, look at every quarterback that he's coached at the college level. You've got the two big ones, Ripon and, uh, and Kellen Mond at Boise, not Kellen Mond. Kellen Moore. Thank you. Kellen Moore. <laughs> um, so you got, you got, I've been watching too much senior ball stuff. Yeah, so you got those two guys, and then the, the Texas quarterbacks that he coached. Um, all of these guys are very similar as far as stature, as far as what they do well. They're pocket guys. And I think that's the kind of offense he wants to run. Now, I think you can make the argument for D. Davis when you look at how athletic he is and he's a dynamic player. He competed at the highest level of high school football in the country. You know, I mean, you talk about big time Texas high school football, it doesn't get bigger than that. And he was good. He was a very, very good high school quarterback. And I think he has a chance to be a very, very good college quarterback. I'm not talking him down, but when you look at what he's done, is he going to change his offensive philosophy based on who his quarterback is? And I don't know the answer to that. I think it's impossible for us to know the answer to that right now. But it's going to be really, really interesting because if, it, if he doesn't, I think Gariner is the favorite to be the guy after Bo Nix currently. But if he doesn't, you know, college football's adapting. And he's, you know, this is a guy that will do anything it takes to win. Do you start calling more zone reads? Do you start rolling him out a little bit more depending on who your quarterback is? I don't know. Only time's going to tell. But if I had to pick right now, I think Gariner is the next guy. Zach, appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Sure, yeah. Locked on Auburn, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Z Blackerby. And I host Auburn Oblack this morning, every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on 98.7 FM. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, my man. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Big thank you to Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast and of News Talk WA&I on 98.7 FM. You can hear them on Auburn O'Black this morning, every weekday morning. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We want to hear from you. Phone lines are open. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. A lot of signing day talk today. We just talked to Zach about a lot of it. We covered a lot of it in the first hour. If you missed any of that, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's go back to Auburn basketball now. Losing to Georgia 91-86. We talked a little bit in the last segment of the first hour about what happened last night against Georgia to see Auburn lose but I do think that we've learned something very valuable about this team since the beginning of the year I said this is an exhibition season for Auburn this is a practice year this is a development year before the real thing happens next year where there's going to be five stars 
all over the place if Sharif Cooper returns but guys that are going to be playing like five stars next year you know JT Thor may have been a four star but he reclassified could have been a five star coming in I mean I think he's playing like a five star right now right out the gates maybe not as much last night he got bodied up yesterday evening by Kamara for Georgia had 12 rebounds to Thor's four held four to four points Kamara had 15 so tough night for Auburn in the front court last night other than Jalen Williams who got the job done Chris Moore also continuing to show his effectiveness when he gets onto the floor Bruce Pearl saying that he kind of wants to move to move him to a big guard but with all that being said I think we learned one valuable thing about this Auburn basketball team moving forward and if you didn't learn it and you're living in denial well well good luck with your basketball teams because this Auburn team needs to improve on the defensive end of the floor now if they're going to be ready for next year they have to they have to improve now if they're going to be ready for next year's basketball season defense is going to make all the difference for this squad depending on how far they go in March next year now I know I'm talking about something that that is a year and a couple of months away it is another whole season in front of us but this roster only has three juniors on it three there are no seniors maybe one will go to the draft this year and Sharif Cooper he's shooting up draft boards more than I thought he would he's already into the top 10 on ESPNs we talked about that briefly yesterday Levi if you even if you lose Sharif Cooper though you got Jabari Smith coming in Trey Alexander coming in you're going to have guys that and maybe you even go to the transfer market and try and go and find a uh, a point guard to come and step in there with some experience to fill that void where I don't think Auburn really has a, a great point guard option at least depth at the position either after Sharif Cooper if he were to leave so maybe maybe you fill out this roster a little bit but even if Sharif is gone this is still a team that could get into the national championship picture next year if they can find a primary ball handler that can run the offense they probably won't be able to run it like Sharif Cooper but if Sharif comes back this team is definitely a national championship contender if they can improve on one very important facet of their game and it's the defensive side of the basketball what say you gentlemen I feel like outside of Cooper, Auburn doesn't have another ball handler on the roster. I don't feel like Flanagan's a ball Justin handler. Justin Powell, of course, but he's not playing right now. Justin Powell's not playing right now. I feel like Auburn not only has to go out and get a point guard if Cooper leaves, but I really hope that Trey Alexander can handle the two-guard role more comfortably than Alan Flanagan has so far this season. Outside of defense, I feel like the most important thing for Auburn is finding somebody that can handle that kind of pressure. It makes me miss Javon McCormick more and more, just just his ability to, to control the situations that he was in. Um, I didn't really feel like Javon was a great point guard, um, but certainly... I thought he was solid. But I th- certainly, the more that I look back on it now, I feel like we, as an Auburn fan, I miss him more and more and more. 100%. You know, Javon McCormick reminds me of. Does everybody remember Ronnie Johnson? I do. When Jared Harper was a freshman? See, I, I was I was getting scolded by people everywhere when I was saying that year that Ronnie Johnson was the better point guard than Jared Harper. He was only better because he was more experienced and he was making experienced plays compared to Jared Harper at the time. Of course, Jared Harper turned into being an Auburn legend before it was all said and done. But that year, that's the kind of guard that Auburn needs if Sharif Cooper were to take off. They need someone probably better than Ronnie Johnson. I think Javon McCormick was better than Ronnie Johnson but they need a Javon McCormick like guard next year that can that can still be a solid ball handler can can attack a defense off the bounce help crash a defense they're going to need that if Sharif Cooper takes the next step this Auburn team though the the major that you know the margin of how far this team goes in the tournament next year will be made up by defense and, and considering that probably nobody is leaving it's about improvement now going into next season if they're going to be truly a top 10 basketball team next year we're going to head to the phone lines now we've got terry from talladega on the line with us terry how you doing today 
Great, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing great. We appreciate you hopping on. You're a first-time caller. Hey, first-time caller, guys. Uh, got a question about signing day for you fellas. Go for um, it. Did Auburn sign a quarterback today? And what do they do at the receiver position? Because the offensive line linebackers got, got a lot of attention as well, so it needed a lot of attention. Uh, but uh, with all the departures, I wonder what Auburn's going to have. And it. quarterback-wise, I, I, look, I'm not a Bo Nix fan. I've never made no secret of that. Um, I, th- I think he's got a lot of growing to do. I mean, guys, he's he's what nine and three and in, in, uh, six and five. Yes, yes. yes as a as a as, as a starter, starter. I mean, yeah. that's not what. I mean, what is that? Sixteen and eight as a starter. I mean, everybody pointed out when Jalen Hurts was Alabama, he was this and this and this. Of course, he's surrounded by a bunch of five stars. But I, I'm just curious. I, I just don't think much of Bo Nix, and I, I wonder if you guys thought that Von Harson would hesitate yanking him if he needed to, if he don't show any progressions, and along with what they do a day on signing day. See, I kind of wonder. Uh, you know, addressing that second question first. Well, actually, we'll, we'll get into the recruiting side of it. Auburn already had Demetrius Davis, the four-star quarterback out of Houston. They already have him on campus. He's an early enrollee, so he is a part of this class. Auburn does have a quarterback coming in. I don't know if he fits Harson's scheme. He was obviously a, a Malzahn re- recruit. He uh, he was a he was a he he signed when Auburn didn't even have a coach too in the December period. They've got the commitment though in the 2022 class of three-star, probably going to be a four-star by the time he gets onto the planes of, of uh, pro-style quarterback Holden Jariner next year. Uh, so they, they have already gotten a commitment for next year's class, but not this year's class. So so nothing in the form of, of QBs today. And then as wide receivers are concerned, they already had a, uh, at least one, possibly two, depending on how certain positions uh, pan out for athletes. But you had uh, Hal Presley at wide receiver already a December signee he was already locked down in this class and then I think D- Tavares Dawson is also going to play wide receiver he's listed as an athlete uh, he is on he is a part of this class as well so Auburn's brought in two there I do not believe they're taking another one I think Harson's already said they won't be taking another receiver so that's that's what that looks like on that front and then talking about possibly yanking Bo Nix uh, I think he's the quarterback next year. I don't. I don't think they'll pull him mainly because I'm more concerned about what's after him. It's like a lot of people wanted to to see him pulled this year, but did you really want to put Grant Loy in after him? Probably not. So I'm with you. I, I've been critical of Bo Nix as well, and he definitely needs to improve. But I'm really curious about what Auburn's got after him because it, it, it's pretty. It, it's a pretty bare cupboard at the quarterback room right now. Well, we're 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 living a time now where it's not unusual for freshman quarterbacks to play. Sure. And so I'm not as concerned because Matt play. And besides, somebody like deep Demetrius Davis can make some plays with his feet. I don't think Bonitz can do that. I really don't. Now, can he run? Sure. I just think his style of running is a little bit different. And, and, I, just, and all- I just don't have a lot of faith in him now. Maybe that's just me, and maybe he's going to prove me to be a knucklehead. But we'll see down the road. But um, I want to see what they did today, and I thought it was very, very important today. And I don't think they should be hesitant, hesitant at all to yank him if it need to be because. I don't. I'm, I'm starting to question what kind of ability as a teammate does he have, and people say, "Well, I've never heard that." Oh, I have. Sure. So, I there, mean, and, it, and you it, look at some of the video that they had. You know, if you were watching any live broadcast, he got after Chad Morris a couple times and his teammates. Right. So I understand the criticism there. I just, I just, I just think it's. Uh, and you're right. You're under a different regime. Who knows? I mean, who knows how it's going to go? We. Are, somebody asked me the other day what I know about Brian Harson. I said absolutely nothing. Right. Because yeah, I mean, well, nobody honest, does. how much the boys do we watch down here in Alabama? Not a whole lot. I mean, I've got a lot of their, uh, their you see Levi's over here, you know, who's saying, I watch them, but yeah, I've got to go and find some recordings on YouTube TV to be able to to be able to watch them. Terry, I got a question for you. Sure. How, how are sure. you listening to us today? Are you on Are you on an internet stream with ESPN 106.7 or are you listen to us live on the radio on Fox Sports Central Alabama? 
Live on the radio, ninety-eight-three. That is great. Hey, tell your Since friends. Uh, tell tell, tell your friends about us. Uh, I, I I know the show is pretty pretty new. Uh, about a month into it now, here on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Tell your friends about us. Tell tell your friends about the signal. The signal's been going on for about six months now. Uh, we're we're trying to spread the show. So uh, we're we're definitely big fans of the of the folks up there in Talladega. I, I uh, used to commute to Silicaga every day. So uh, even called Lincoln High School football over uh, over a year ago. So very familiar with the area. Make sure uh, make sure you tell everybody about us. I sure will. Y'all guys have a great day. You too. Appreciate it, Terry. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Let's go down that trail then. I, w- I want to hear from you guys about that. Obviously, I chipped in on the Bo Nix answer. What say you all, gentlemen, about the state of the Auburn quarterback position moving forward? Do you think that is something that Brian Harson uh, will possibly look into a little bit in more detail going into this year, or do you think Bo Nix is on lockdown right now at the position? Well, I feel like the most important thing whenever you whenever you ask a question like that is if you're in a game or a position where you're down and it's because of your quarterback, do you have a guy behind him that's capable of filling that position? You see whenever Nick Saban will get down in games, we've seen it in the SEC championship game, we've seen it in the national title game, he's got somebody behind Tua or Jalen Hurts that's capable of fulfilling that quarterback role and fulfilling it well. You talked about last year, it was like some people wanted Bo Nix to go ahead and be pulled from a game. It's like, do you really want Grant Lloyd to come no in? Way. Do you think he's capable of running this offense better than Bo Nix? Definitely is? not. No. He had 11 picks to four touchdowns. <laughs> not the other way around. Not 11 TDs to four picks. He had 11 picks to four touchdowns at Bowling, at Bowling Green. Green. Yeah. So when, <laughs> whenever you think about this this situation, you know, you've got a four-star quarterback in Demetrius Davis, obviously a capable runner. Uh, I, I like the point that he made. I feel like Demetrius Davis is more... I don't feel like Bo Nix is like a fantastic runner, but he is capable. But Demetrius is obviously more capable as a dual threat, and Bo Nix's running style is more like running for his life outside the pocket. Well, their their roles are reversed, right? Like right. Demetrius Davis is probably run first, mm-hmm. and his passing game is going to have to develop. I think when you look at Bo Nix, of course, Bo Nix's passing game still has to still has to develop, but he's a pocket guy. Now it's fun when Bo Nix can get out of the pocket. I think he's got top level escapability. I mean, of course, we have to look back and remember. I think the highlight of the season for Bo Nix is that Texas A&M touchdown where he, he, he yeah. you know, pulled a remember the Titans with sunshine <laughs> dropping his shoulder and someone flipping over his back. I mean, that was impressive. So I think I might give a little bit more credit to Bo Nix's running ability that, than maybe most people do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he's a, I think he's a solid runner, maybe something that Auburn should incorporate more. Levi, your thoughts on the quarterback room moving forward? I mean, I I agree with you. I think his running ability is a little bit undervalued. I'd, I'd say it's like a shade below Manziel's escapability when you think of someone like that. Like he's he's not quite on that level, but no. he's also not cement footed back there. He can he honestly can make thought some Auburn should have ran the zone read more with Bo Nix. I, I agree with that. I and think they could have accentuated his skill set if they maybe factored that in more. I I just don't think you can pull him this year. And that's not a and that's not me trying to defend Bo Nix. It's just simple. I don't know what we're getting out of Matrix Davis right now. Sure, and scheme fit as well. Do you want to have to install a new offense when you put in a brand new quarterback with a new skill set? A lot to consider there. And a lot more of On the Line coming up on the other side of this break. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws in the studio. A lot of National Signing Day talk. If you've missed any of it, 
be sure to go and find the podcast wherever you find your podcast a big thank you to terry from talladega in that last segment calling in if you want to call in as well call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 and now let's welcome intern sting into the studio as well sting it's time for crunching the numbers with sting you are our uh, finance major in the room you know a little thing about numbers or two and you bring it to the basketball stage as well sting i want to know what your thoughts were about last night's 91 86 loss for auburn basketball to georgia let's dig into the numbers a little bit yeah i was pretty disappointed with it. i think you guys hit really hit the nail on the head while you were talking about it earlier but today i kind of wanted to take a look at some common threads when Auburn loses games because okay hit me with the trends bring it all right where's the line graph this is kind of obvious but the three thing the two things that Auburn gets killed on when they lose are rebounds and three-pointers in six of their nine losses this season the other team beat Auburn from three either shot better or Auburn shot below their season average from three like, just the other team total though they they hit did they hit more threes or shot a better percentage either one either one yeah, okay just, like I, I think you know Georgia hit less threes technically last night but they were they did, almost but they were 50%. higher percentage yeah yeah because Auburn shot almost thirty so you're talking about three point percentage that actually is shocking to me that stat and here's why Auburn is second in the SEC and defending the three point line at thirty two percent that's what they're allowing to their opponents shocking to me. But I guess if you think about it a little bit longer, you think, oh, well, I guess if Auburn didn't do that one stat category that they're that they're really good at on defense, well, nothing else probably improved either. So they probably did lose because they gave up a lot of points that night. And last night, Auburn gave up 91. So look no farther than the three-point line for Auburn. Rebounding as yeah. well. Yeah, that major rebounding. area for Auburn. Yeah, Auburn is 1-5 this season when they get out-rebounded by the other team. So nobody in the front court for Auburn yesterday had more than five rebounds and Jalen Williams had the most he had 21 points five rebounds which doesn't jump off the page he only had three defensive rebounds JT Thor had four total rebounds only two defensive rebounds and Chris Moore in the front court had three total rebounds two of those defensive Dylan Cardwell had three rebounds three of those defensive rebounds as well Baba Tunde Akingbola two rebounds one defensive rebound as well they just were not cleaning the glass well enough last night no they weren't and they also I mean they also didn't get a lot of chances. I mean, Georgia shot fifty percent from the field. It's not like they had a fair. So it's, but it, that doesn't detract from the fact that they rebounded poorly. It's but just, look at the offensive boards though. Poorly Georgia like had thirteen. They had four from a backup forward Garcia. He had four offensive rebounds, nine points. Probably a lot of those follow up attempts. And then Kamara just destroyed Auburn on the glass. Had twelve total rebounds yesterday. He had three himself. Two more offensive boards for PJ Horn. The front court was gobbling up offensive rebounds too, compared to Auburn. That's a bad thing that I've seen. Auburn has allowed teams to get, especially in the past two games alone. They've allowed a lot of second chance points, and that's that's the quickest way to lose a ball game, right there. You allow second chance points, you allow them to out rebound you, and a team that's bad at shooting the three, you let them shoot the three all over you when you're the second best team in the league at defending the three. There's no wonder this team lost last night. I mean, you look at this is one of the few times you can look at the stats and the box score and go, yeah, I see, I see what happened. I understand why this game is the way it is. You want to hear something crazy? Let's go. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Auburn is 316th in the country in allowing offensive rebounds. I'm telling you, they're they're that's bad. Terrible. That's bad. That is, that's pretty bad. That is pretty bad. And then and then on the rebounding side for themselves, Auburn is 47th 
in the country in total rebounds per game Auburn's not terrible I mean they have out rebounded their opponents this year on average the margin there in average rebounds is about 3.3 that's the difference that you're looking at there so typically Auburn has been out rebounding their opponents but when they lose once again that's another one of those that's another one of those three-point categories that you're talking about it's like if they're not doing one of the things that they traditionally do well they probably lost because they're they probably didn't play better in the other categories we're going to go to the phone lines now we got another caller on the line rich is joining us on the line now how you doing today rich i'm good how you doing we're doing great what's on your mind Ah, uh, you was talking about a quarterback a while ago I, I thought about jason campbell we brought he was horrible as a sophomore we brought petrino in and two years later he's number one draft pick you never know what a quarterback coach change can do 100 percent. i I, i've been also on the record saying that i think uh bo nix is gonna really benefit from this scheme change i think his skill set is not deep ball which is what malzahn wanted his quarterbacks to be able to throw malzahn never made it easy on his qbs harson makes it easy i think we're gonna see a lot of slants some check downs to some tight ends tight ends are gonna be thrown to i think the scheme's gonna be a lot a lot better for uh for Bo Nix moving forward I think you could see a huge jump in, in like completion percentage and with that there's going to be more yards I'm excited to see what the offense can do for Bo Nix he he's my quarterback for the future mine too appreciate thank it you. Rich thank you for calling in hey be sure to call back in again uh the number to call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 once again a big thank you there to Rich very valid point there about the quarterback situation Levi you and I have talked about it I don't want to see Armour go in a different direction because I'm not ready to write Nick's off. Now, now if you do talk about Nick's right now as a starter, as as Terry pointed out, he's 15 and 8 as a starter. Not great. A lot of those losses came to the good teams. The one good team, or two good teams that he's beaten. Oregon didn't play great. And then Alabama, I wouldn't say that you say he played great in 19 either. Has he had a ton of help? Sure, offensive line hasn't been great. Receivers have been fine, but I don't think they've played up to their caliber. But Bo Nix, I think with this new system, I think he's going to accentuate his skill set a lot. They're going to be throwing in between the numbers, in between the hashes, across the middle of the field, short intermediate passing game. It's really going to help Bo Nix out a lot, I think. So I'm excited for the future of what the scheme is going to do for Auburn on the offensive side of the ball. And also you got Mike Bobo coming in. He's a quarterback whisperer. That's that's the big thing for me. I think Bobo is going to get the most out of Nix. It's crazy to think that there are two sides to this Bo Nix spectrum where people are viewing him as. They're either viewing him as it's polarizing. the bust or – all the potential in the world, and I think both of those are valid. They're both valid from what you've seen Bo Nix do. I can understand if you look at it and go, you know what, this guy's just not going to get it. I can understand from the point that I like to see it as, where my belief set in is, I think he's got all the talent in the world, and I think Bobo and Harson are going to unlock that better than the Gus Malzahn regime did. Rich hit on it perfectly. Jason Campbell is a great comp when you're talking about They wanted to run him out of town. Oh, yeah. He was hated on for three years. And then his last year, obviously, the undefeated Auburn team. And, and, you know, I'm trying to think, who who was it that came in? Why Why am I forgetting? Al Borges came in and turned it up for him in that final year. Al Borges, you know, and, and things really took off for Campbell, too, after that LSU game that year, Hurricane Ivan LSU game. And he uh, he led that Auburn team down the field and got the key points that they needed to win that game. Ugly game. Ugly game. But from that moment on, that offense took off. And that backfield had three first-rounders, Carnell Williams, Ronnie Brown, and Jason Campbell. So I really like that point. You know, that that's a great example of a quarterback having a rough start, but he finishes strong. 
could be the same for Bo Nix as well let's head back to crunching the numbers now with Sting going through some of these stats we've talked about rebounding we've talked about the three-point percentage last night for Auburn let's keep digging it in what else you got for us yes so you know we said last week that when Alan Flanagan struggles Auburn struggles that trend kind of continued last night his shooting numbers were better so it was probably his best game since uh, hanging 24 points on South Carolina shooting 7 and 12 from the field Lance will point out it was deceptive, though. He had 12 points, went 4 for 8. 0 for 3 from 3-point line, though, Lance. There were two shots that Flanagan made in that last minute. One was a a layup that was just kind of a blow-by in that last minute. And the second one was that dunk that a Cooper assisted on that Georgia didn't get back because the game was over at that point. So there were two baskets that Flanagan scored in that last minute that were just irrelevant. Yeah, I think it's kind of a – I think it's kind of a – not a facade it's an illusion it's a it's a mirage when you look at the stat line it's not as good as what 12 points may have suggested he he is traditionally I think better at the rim though I would like to see him attack off the bounce I agree yeah because he's in his last three games since his performance against South Carolina he's one for 12 from the three-point line right and he's 10 for 30 overall it's not dropping right now. No, of course, he, he was spraying it in front of South Carolina players' faces all game long. I mean, it, 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 was, it was stupid. It really was about how he was shooting that basketball that day. Now, is it more because of Flanagan's talent, or is it more because of South Carolina's not very good? I, I think it was Flanagan just being able to hit those shots. At the end of the day, if you set somebody up in front of you, putting their hand up and knocking down the shot, that, that, that's pretty solid. But it, that's not going to work out for you on average right if so if you're shooting a contested three that's not going to work out on average and if there's one thing that has just irritated the daylights out of me the bruce pearl tenure which i'm not blaming this on bruce pearl and i would rather have the guys have the green light than not there's been one thing that has just irritated me it is the contested threes with every team it does not matter what team and that's because bruce pearl gives them the green light and if you didn't give them the green light you wouldn't have the jared harpers you wouldn't have the bryce browns you wouldn't have the games where auburn absolutely runs somebody out of the gym so you you wouldn't have that if you didn't have the green light so you have to take the losses you have to take the l's when you die by the three but you have a fun time living you got one more stat for us uh, no, actually. I mean, I just have a couple more notes on Alan Flanagan just like shooting 51.4% of his uh, shots this season from three. I just, I don't think that's great, personally. Well, okay, well, like tell you said, me why then. Because, like you said, I think he's just better from the rim, and maybe he's perfectly fine three point shooter. He's not falling right now. But I guess Auburn needs more out of him, especially, like you said, with getting better on defense as, as a team and just overall, like. When he struggles, Auburn struggles, and he's struggling right now. Better shot selection. Yeah, exactly. I think that could be said for everybody. Now, Alan Flanagan's stat numbers this year from the three-point line. Let, let's say this first. If we want to say this about Alan Flanagan right now, about how he's struggling, let's remember back to last year, guys. Let's give the guy some credit here. He has seen the the most dramatic, or as Jaws would say, the most dramatic <laughs> change in his stat line since uh you know that i may have seen out of any player i mean he went from averaging 13.8 minutes per game last year to 29.6 this year he's got a over a seven percent jump in field goal percentage from 39 to 46 he's got three point percentage jump 21 points gentlemen 21 points he's a fine three-point shooter he's 35 percent from the arc last year he was 14 percent and he didn't want to take threes last year he's became a more complete offensive player so whereas we will say the negative and he's in a little bit of a rough stretch he's been a key player for Auburn, and i, and I think he'll continue to be i'm looking forward to what he looks like next year after we saw this kind of jump we'll be back with more of on the line in just a moment we got one more segment left in the show on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 
Wrap it up on the line. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Jaws in the studio with us. We got about eight minutes left in the show. Twitter poll on ESPN 106.7, at ESPN 106.7. Go and find it on Twitter. Our on-the-line poll today, how do you feel about Auburn's recruiting class? we got three options, three options here for you. For the optimistic folks out there, we got excited for the future. Uh, our second option, it's fine. And then the last option here, cry myself to sleep and uh and i you know i'm proud to say that 18 more than 18 percent of people okay so 35 (laughs) percent went decided for the future 47 percent went it's fine those are your mentally tough people the 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 fortitude there for those folks to have excited for the future and it's fine i understand i i would vote for it's fine but 18 percent of people out there are are having some rough nights cry myself to sleep is 18 percent of folks out there that's a shame that's a shame (laughs) let's take a listen to what's on tv tonight Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. If you don't have a vested interest in the Super Bowl, a big reason why some people watch the big game is for the commercials. CBS has a countdown of the best ones ever with Super Bowl greatest commercials on at 7. Start your Wednesday night college basketball in the SEC with South Carolina at number 22 Florida at 5.30 on SEC Network. At the 6 o'clock time slot, LSU at number 10 Alabama is on ESPNU. Kentucky at number 18 Missouri is on ESPN2. Seton Hall at Providence on FS1 and Louisville at Syracuse on ACC Network. Moving to 8 p.m., we've got number three Villanova on the road at St. John's on CBS Sports Network. Number 14, Virginia at NC State on ACC Network. Georgetown at number 15, Creighton on FS1 and Oklahoma State at TCU on ESPN2. The NBA schedule has two games on ESPN with Pacers Bucks at 6 and Suns Pelicans at 8.30. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater, and Lance Dahl in the studio. If you want to find the show, find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We had a great conversation with Zach Blackerby today about National Signing Day. Uh, it's been a great show, and we are wrapping it up here in about six minutes. Uh, but you still got six minutes of On the Line, and that's six more than, uh, than, than you could have had, right? And so we are excited to have you here with us joining us on the show we got the drive with bill cameron following us as well on espn 1067 and on fox sports central alabama we now got a caller on the line uh who do do we have with us right now how you doing today hey inspector hey specter how you doing today all right i ain't crying myself sleep at night but i sure am concerned (laughs) hey we're glad you you've got some mental fortitude right more than more than lance pointed out during the break he said there's about 13 people out there crying themselves to sleep at night (laughs) i ain't doing that but i am concerned about how our recruiting is going to be in the future sure and and uh well I've, i've discussed this on the drive quite a bit but when we get rid of some top-notch recruiters to get somebody that we're not sure of yet, uh, I'm concerned. But uh, I'm, I'm going to wait and see what happens and uh, proof is in the pudding and so on and so forth, and I'm going to hang in there. Well, I got a question for you, Spectre, and, and I, I completely sure. agree with you. You know, I've, I've, I've said several times on the show, you know, I think the biggest question mark about this staff is their ability to recruit because they got rid of all the SEC recruiters, right? My question to you, though, is is about Harson. Just generally want some some good thoughts on this. Is you know this is the most experienced coach we've seen Auburn hire as far as just having been a head coach. 
you know, maybe ever. I mean, Pat Dye even, you know, came from Wyoming. It didn't have as much head coaching experience uh, as Brian Hartson has. He's already got eight years in the bag as a head coach. I mean, Gus Malzahn didn't have that. Gene Chizik didn't have that. Tommy didn't have that. Terry Bowden didn't. I mean, the list goes on. What do you think about that experience, even though it may not be SEC recruiting experience? Well, it's uh, it, it uh, all has to do with his character. All these these guys that you just mentioned. I'll start with Pat Dye. Had had tremendous character. He knew how to talk to young people. He knew how to motivate them. I don't know anything about Harson. Maybe he'll be another Pat Dye, for, as far as I know. But uh, at, well, Tommy Tuberville, I think, was an excellent coach. I mean, he, he had a bad rap, and uh, from the from the just from the uh, uh, shit, what do you call them? The trustees. Yes. From, so uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I'm, I'm hanging in there, guys. I, I just don't know what else to say about it. I just don't know anything about this guy other than what he's done out west, and <clears throat> and uh, we just let it go at that. Well, Specter, we appreciate you hopping on the line with us. Be sure to call back in the future. All right, thank you, bud. That was Specter on the line with us. We got about three minutes left in the show. And, uh, you know, I, I'll field that question to you guys then. I mean, there, there's a lot of experience there when you're talking about Brian Harson, uh, as far as just being a head coach and coming here, you know. But it's something interesting that I want to point out and kind of a parallel I'm seeing right now. Not saying that Brian Harson will become Pat Dye. Not, not, saying that that, not saying that that could happen, but... Um, you know, you you look at it, and Auburn is in a time period right now. They're not, you know, 1970s Auburn that had nothing going on for them. But Auburn is in the midst of another Alabama dynasty led by Nick Saban. Back when Pat Dye took over, Auburn was in the midst of an Alabama dynasty led by Bear Bryant. Those are the two most successful head coaches ever in Alabama history. Auburn's now gone out to, to the Mountain West again, right, where Wyoming was with Pat Dye. Now you're going out there with, with Brian Harson. There's some parallels right there in, in, in those two coaches taking over. Malzahn didn't take over under the same type of circumstances that Brian Harson has. Right, right. And I feel like another coach that you can compare Brian Harson to is Urban Meyer. You know, uh, Florida went out west to kind of get him from Utah, I believe, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct. And, you know, Harson's again, I believe – uh, Utah was in the Mountain West at that time, or was it? Yeah, the they WAC? were. Yeah, they, they were in the Mountain West. Yeah, so a couple of different comparisons there, and we saw how it turned out with Urban Meyer in Florida, two national championships after a couple of years, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, if not the 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 most efficient college quarterback of all time. So I would, I'm really, really, really optimistic just based off of what I see from his tenure at Boise, um, being able to sustain success after Chris Peterson. So I'm really excited with the future holds. That's a big thing that a lot of people aren't really hitting on, the sustained success after Chris Peterson left. A lot of people thought, well, Boise's done now. There's, they're not going to be able to replicate that. And they didn't have the you know, the amount of success in terms of just the big quality wins. You're not going to be able to replicate that Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma type success, but Brian Harson didn't let that program fall under. He kept it where it was. He kept that that ship afloat, and I think that that's something that goes without saying. That man, he's been a winner everywhere he goes. I like the move, and I think he could really come into Auburn and do damage. You just got to give him time. Honestly, we just got to see what he's about in the SEC. Yeah, and something else to remember about this, and I, and I know Specter's not going in on Harson right now. He, he's being fair about this because I've said all the same things about this 
recruiting class and then also about this coaching cl- this coaching class that's been brought in right I mean it almost feels like Auburn had to recruit coaches during this offseason period before they had to recruit players and a lot of them don't have SEC recruiting experience I've been critical of that as well what we have to remember though this is not Brian Harson's class and the guys that Brian Harson did bring in today I think that they're solid players and probably the best that he can bring out of the barrel that was remaining right he's having to he's having to scrape what's left and I think he's gotten the most out of it today for for what Auburn could do and so the main question for today and what I may name this show when we're putting up the podcast I think you know the question is did Auburn salvage this recruiting class gentlemen quick answer here as the as the outro's plan as best as you can do it agreed yes they did but as best as you could ditto that does it for another edition of on the line we got the drive with bill cameron following us here Auburn salvage at that recruiting class i think we would all say that on the other side of this break we'll have the drive with bill cameron we'll see you tomorrow everybody with more of on the line